do we exist? Were we created with a purpose or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. Join us as we seek to see a generation captivated and transformed by the truth of Christianity. This is The Universe Next Door. I only saw part of the Super Bowl. Uh, I watched over time. I didn't see the whole thing. Didn't care to see the whole thing. But uh, many people have been talking, many, many, many people have been talking about the He Gets Us ad. Uh, And so naturally, at first, I didn't really care. But then the more I heard about it, I wanted to look further into it. So I watched the ad for myself. Uh, I watched the other ads because it triggered a rabbit trail for me where it was like, okay, what was their last ad? And then the one before that. So I went back and looked at the other one too. Um, And then I said, okay, I'll listen to a few videos from people because I want to know what other people are saying. I had my opinion uh, at least slightly formed without digging further in, but I wanted to know what other people are saying. So I looked at at a few other videos, a few other guys I've heard of. um, And then I thought, Instead of just listening to people talk about it and sort of their opinions on it uh, and, and what it might mean and what it might not mean, why don't I just go and do some digging uh, and find out who these Who Gets Us people really are? And so I did that, and that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be digging further into where these uh, commercials came from and not only where they came from, but why they exist. What is their agenda? What are they trying to push? Um, why are they or somebody spending all of this money on these commercials? These are very expensive commercials, especially during the Super Bowl. And I think most of our questions uh, in that regard will be answered today. So at least most of mine were answered. I don't think I'm left with any, but we're going to see some things that might be kind of shocking, might not be so shocking to you, uh, depending on where you're coming from, but they might be shocking because. Uh, they, they pretty much lay it out for us. And actually, this, this episode goes further than just this commercial or set of commercials. I'm going to show you a lot of, uh, I guess, buzzwords you can look for. And you'll hear these words, not only in commercials, not only in TV shows and entertainment, but you're also going to hear them in workplaces. You're going to hear them in churches. You're going to hear them in all kinds of organizations. And when you hear these words, a, a little antenna should go off in your head to concern you. Um, So we're going to be looking at a little bit of the woke vocabulary as well. Uh, But before we do that, make sure you hit follow wherever you're listening and then hit the notify button so you know when new episodes come out, generally Tuesdays at 5 p.m., but uh, we we release content other times also. Uh, And then send in your questions to information at apologetics.org. Send them right now because we're going to be releasing our Q&A this Friday. So make sure you send them in now so we can get them answered, so we can respond to them. Um, they can be any question you have about the faith. They can be something that you disagree with me on. I know some of you original sin folks are out there who disagree. So send in your questions right now. I want to respond to them. I want to hear them. Maybe you'll convince me. Maybe not, but send them in uh, and I'll respond to those and release that episode this Friday. So they need to be in before then, preferably before Thursday. Because uh, of course, we we look at all the questions, respond to them, record it, and then put it out. We're not doing a live stream yet. We are working on that. Uh, but in the meantime, send them in to information at apologetics.org before Friday. Um, And so I'm also super pumped that this upcoming Monday, I'm planning on doing an episode on divination, uh, on psychics, on what Christians should think 
think about this? Do they get their power from demons? Do they get it from somewhere else? Uh, what's going on in First Samuel 28 when Samuel is seemingly brought back from the dead and what implications does that have? Uh, what's the deal with like the Urim and Thummim and all these, these strange things, casting lots, the stuff that we see in the Bible. And then of course today you have things like Ouija boards and crystals and so on. So we're going to be getting into a lot of interesting stuff. I'm sure everyone here has had somebody in their family or their friend group who's gone to a psychic and said, oh my goodness, how do they know this, 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 and this? Well, I might have an answer for you. So make sure to come back next Tuesday, 5 p.m. for that as well. Uh, And of course, if you hit follow, you'll be reminded without having to think of it. But with that being said, let's get into the uh, he gets us stuff because there's a there's some interesting things going on. There's some concerning things going on. And then there is still some good that we can take, even if I don't believe um, that the commercial is a great commercial uh, or really a Christian commercial. I, I think we can still get a lot out of it and we can still reexamine ourselves nonetheless. So first of all, they tell us their goal. This is the goal of this He Gets Us organization. They lay it out for us. We're going to be pulling a bunch of stuff out of their website here, but this is their goal, to reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible. So, one more time, to reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible. Now, there's a few claims made here. One of them is concerning, but all of them are important. So, the Jesus of the Bible. That means that they're not just just using the name Jesus and throwing it around. Remember, the Mormons have a Jesus, uh, the Muslims have a Jesus, the New Age has a Jesus, but this claims to be the Jesus of the Bible that they're kind of uh, explaining and sharing in in the He Gets Us ads and campaign and organization. So the Jesus of the Bible, that that is going to be sort of our groundwork here. But in this sentence is a very concerning word in a very important word, and that word is reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible. Now think about it. If their goal is to reintroduce people to Jesus, what does that mean? Well, that means that they believe people haven't been introduced to Jesus properly. Now, before we get into their beliefs um, and why I think what they mean by this is so dangerous, let's just take a step back. Could there be people who... Uh, have been who have been who have been the people who have been are there people who have been introduced to Jesus wrongly? Yes, I mean we just named a few, but even inside of what would be considered Orthodox Christianity, it is often that people misrepresent Christ, that the true Jesus of the Bible, uh, both in their action and in their teaching. I deal with it all the time. In fact, I could show you some Twitter arguments from Christian nationalists that would make you throw up, okay? Like, you wouldn't believe it. And I've done this. I'm not suggesting that I'm the perfect Christian either. I've, I've misrepresented Christ plenty of times, especially when you, when you bear in mind that the, the commandment that was given to Israel about not taking the Lord's name in vain or in emptiness, that idea isn't just to not say OMG. Of course, when you do that, when you use the Lord's name outside of um, the proper context without glory, without care, without worth and value and, and meaning, you are taking the Lord's name in vain or in emptiness. But the idea of that is that everywhere you go as a Christian, you take the Lord's name with you. So are you taking it with you in meaning or are you taking it with you in emptiness? Are you disgracing the name of God among the nations um, as Israel so many times had done in scripture? Or are you bringing glory to the name of God? Are you displaying the love that comes with the name of God? And keep in mind 
that the name of God isn't a label or a title. It's actually his presence. So he is his name. It's not just a title like we think of a name. Um, It actually describes the presence of God. So to start, it is important that we don't just jump on a theological concept um, and tell everybody else they're wrong before examining what we even believe or how we act. Even if we have things right about Jesus, we certainly can act them out the wrong way. We certainly can take his name with us without doing it in fullness and meaning and glory. Uh, and, And we're all guilty of that, of course. So keep that in mind during this whole thing. But with that being said, what does it mean when they say they want to reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible? Well, let's kind of dive into their uh, website here, which is, of course, hegetsus.com, um, because they're going to explain to us what they mean by that. And again, there's a lot of words here, there's a lot of phrases, and there's a lot of just outright beliefs they give us that should be uh, concerning to us. So once you pull up their website and look at their articles or their content, you don't have to look any further, though we are going to look further. Um, let's just look at some of the titles of their um, the titles of their articles. So let's see. Jesus overcame bias too. Okay, so Jesus overcame bias too. What's another one? Four ways Jesus supported women's equality. Jesus was fed up with politics too. And then here's one that I actually think doesn't seem as... Um, loud and obvious as the other titles, but Jesus was exclusively inclusive. Now, right here, there should be a little, again, a little alarm going off in your head, because anytime you see words like inclusive, like diversity, like equity, sometimes even equality, but especially equity, and remember, there's a difference between equity and equality. Equity is forced equality, Uh, and equity essentially is communism. That's the whole purpose of it. So when you see, um, let's say, people re- being replaced in Disney movies and all of a sudden um, there's no more white actors like there were in, in the classic Disney movies, well, that's that's not a coincidence. It's not that it matters what color somebody in a movie is. It's the idea that you have uh, a white person being replaced by a black person because uh, in the woke agenda, in the woke view, you have this tier of who is more marginalized, who is more oppressed, and we're going to see those words on this website too. But you have this range of oppression with, of course, the straight white person on the top, and then below then would be the, the, the gay white person and the trans white person, and then the gay black person, and then the gay trans black woman, and so on and so forth. It'll just keep going down. That is communism. That's the, po- the whole point of equity. It's forced equality. So they, they're not in favor of the Lockean concept of everybody has an equal opportunity to life, liberty, and happiness. It's that uh, if this person seems to have more uh, life, liberty, and happiness than you, then we should take it from them and we should place this person in their place. That's the idea of equity. It's forced equality, which is not equality. But when we see this word inclusive, that should ring an alarm because that's a buzzword that we hear today. You'll recognize DEI, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which most of you, depending on where you work, are probably forced to sit down, uh, have your head strapped to a seat and your eyeballs pulled open so that you can watch training videos on how to be diverse and training videos on how to be uh, inclusive. And of course, the underlying the underlying charge is that you're not diverse and inclusive. You're racist, you're prejudiced, uh, you're sexist, you're bigoted, and that's why you have to unlearn all of these things that you can't actually ever truly unlearn. Uh, so let's look. If you haven't heard of this before, let's so let's take that word inclusion 
uh, and go to newdiscourses.com. If you are not familiar with this, this is something James Lindsay does called translation, uh, a translation from the wokish. And what he has, uh, he's worked with other people, and he has this whole dictionary of all of these different words that are used. Uh, and so if we pull up inclusion, this is what we see here. This is the social justice usage of inclusion. It says the notion that an organization or system is welcoming to new populations and or identities. This new presence is not merely tolerated, but expected to contribute meaningfully into the system in a positive, mutually beneficial way. Inclusion uh, processes and practices are ones that strive to bring groups together to make decisions in collaborative, mutual, equitable ways. So again, we see that word equity here. Um, Now let's scroll down a little bit because this is going to help us make sense of the word inclusion. Thus, inclusion is an expansive concept that could apply to silencing certain ideas like conservatism, meritocracy, or support for freedom of speech, usually in the name of safety and preventing the trauma or violence that such ideas could inflict upon progressives who see them as ideologies that perpetuate uh, systemic harm. So again, um, this, this idea of inclusion is used as a concept to say, well, if this thing isn't inclusive of this, 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 or this ideology or person or fill in the blank, well, then it should be outlawed. Um, and, and through saying it's going to cause trauma, it's going to cause violence, uh, so on and so forth, it gives them sort of a ground to throw these things out. Uh, and that's what we mean when we see the word inclusion. These are not words that are used accidentally. Uh, these are common words in today's uh in today's woke agenda, in today's society and culture that we see all the time. So when you think about the ad you saw during the Super Bowl, what do you see? Uh, You see, uh, if if I recall, you have a policeman washing a black man's feet. You have a a priest or a pastor washing a gay man or a trans man's feet. You have somebody sitting outside of an abortion clinic and you have a woman uh, washing their feet and so on and so forth. So what is the underlying principle in all this? These are people who are marginalized, and you're the person who needs to humble yourself, let go of your pride, and you need to be more accepting of who they are. And at first, when I saw these commercials, I thought, well, I actually should love those people. That's true. Um, I should care about those people. I should desire to see every one of them saved and come to repentance. And if I'm not, then I need to work on that. That is true. Even if, if I know somebody who had 300 abortions and doesn't regret a single one of them and wants to continue to have more, yeah, I hate that sin, but I still want to see that person with the Lord in heaven. I still want to see how great God's grace is when they turn to him, when they repent and they put their trust in him and he gives them forgiveness in response. God's grace is so great that there's nobody outside the 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 reach of his arms. There's nobody who's too far for him to save. And so, of course, it's true. Um, that we want to see everybody saved. We want to see everybody come to repentance and trust the Lord. And so does God. Um, so we don't want to forget that. But at the same time, both things can be true at once. It can be true that I want to see everybody saved. Uh, and if God uses me to have a part in that, then praise the Lord. Not that I can save anybody, but if he uses me as a messenger or an instrument or so on and so forth, well, then thank you, God. But at the same time, that's different than affirming the message uh, or the ideology that these people are holding. Remember, this is very important in Christianity and any kind of philosophy in life in general. You have to be able to separate the person from the idea. 
I have to be able to say, I love this person and want them to be saved. And at the same time say, I hate this ideology that they're being used to spread. Personally, I, I don't see any tension uh, between those two things and those two ideas that I can, that I can love the person and still not approve of, or uh, not, not just of their sin, but this whole much bigger ideology that they're being used to push. I can still disprove of that and I can do it publicly and I should do it publicly. But all that to say, when I first saw the commercial, the possibility was in my mind that, okay, this looks suspicious. It looks like what they're trying to show is that the common Christian um, is bigoted, is quote-unquote judgmental, um, is careless of other people and their quote-unquote perspectives and so on. And so that was my first thought. And then in the back of my mind, I I still try to remain open. I I still try to remain uh, with the innocent until proven guilty kind of deal. And so it was like, well, let me try to see the best. Let me suggest to myself that, well, maybe they just are trying to use like a stronger way of saying, even if you disagree with all of these things, uh, you should still love these people. But upon further research, I found out that that isn't what they're saying. So let's go back to their website again. I remember he gets us.com. We talked about how their goal is to reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible. And now we have arrived at the idea that they're not just doing this to suggest that uh, you should love people even if you disagree with them. They're doing it at least more than subtly to suggest you shouldn't disagree with them. And there's a couple things on their website that might make you think, oh no, look, see, they, they're for everybody. They just want to, but listen to this. It says, how did the story of a man who taught and practiced unconditional love become associated with hatred and oppression for so many people? So what's the implication here? Jesus is who they're talking about, right? The the man who practiced unconditional love, uh, taught and practiced it. How did he become associated with hatred and oppression for so many people? So what's the implication here? The implication is that those who hold a certain view of Christianity, a certain view of scripture, and remember the Jesus of the Bible, well, those people have hatred and oppression for people who they disagree with. That's the underlying assumption here. Those people, and I'll show you this directly in just a minute here, those people have hatred for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, Those people have hatred for those who don't look like them. Those people have hatred for people with different uh, perspectives and quote-unquote lived experiences. Another topic for a minute, uh, just a minute here. Um, But that's the underlying principle that we're given here, that those who hold that view hate and oppress people. Oppression is another buzzword. Okay, so it's important to recognize that one as well. But let's look at what they say again about perspective, because this is where it's going to start to help us understand what their view is if you're not getting there already. So when they describe perspective, it's dangerously close to what is called standpoint epistemology, or often described as a lived experience. It's standpoint epistemology is this idea of, you've probably heard the term lived experience, and that's another term they use here, another buzzword, but the, the term lived experience is exactly what it sounds like. Well, I'm this and this and this, I'm this color and this gender and this sexual orientation, so you can't understand what I've been through. I see the world this way, and the way I see the world can't be disagreed with. You can't disagree with how I see the world. It's my lived experience. It's my truth sort of thing. Uh, and this is actually viewed as what determines what true, what's true and what isn't. So this is from a, uh, an article on the website called Loving Your Neighbor is Nearly Impossible. How do we do it? 
Well, here's an excerpt from it. It says, another clue is in the word neighbor. In Greek, the language in which this story was written, this word is plesion, which just means near. I don't know if I'm saying that right, by the way. I, I, I mean, there's there's different pronunciations of Greek. There's a Koine pronunciation, the Erasmian pronunciation. You still have different modern pronunciations. So uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's P-L-E-S-I-O-N. It says, the Samaritan man uh, whom Jesus sets up as a good the Samaritan man whom Jesus sets up as the model good neighbor. He approaches the dying man. He gets close. The other two walk past on the other side of the road. So step two is to practice drawing near to people we would otherwise avoid, to strike up a conversation, to listen to their perspective. Here's that word perspective. Uh, Imagine for a moment if the people pictured in the video did exactly that, referring to the ad here. Uh, Listen to one another as a neighbor. They might not come to agreement, but they certainly would become better neighbors by getting close and listening. So here again, we see that word perspective. We see this idea of getting close and listening. But as I'm going to show you even further in a moment, they don't mean that we should have a discussion, see where see where each of us are, and then try to figure out who's right and what's true. Ultimately, not who's right, but who's right about what's true. <laughs> Ultimately, we want to know what's true. That's that's the point of the um, of the discussion, especially on things regarding religion and culture and so on. But remember, they don't just mean have a discussion about your opinions until you kind of get to the bottom of it. Opinion and perspective are viewed differently by the woke because a perspective is not necessarily something that somebody else can be wrong about, especially if it's somebody of another sexual orientation or race or so on. It's not viewed as the same thing. Now, if there's one thing we can learn from the woke. It's that they are very careful with their words and concepts. They are very careful with how they go about this stuff. And that's one of the many reasons they've been so successful. Uh, Having a ton of money in the World Economic Forum behind it certainly doesn't hurt, but that's definitely one of the reasons they've been so successful. Now, when we go over on the He Gets Us website to their About Us section, we see that He Gets Us is a diverse group of Jesus followers. Notice that word, diverse. That's very important to them. A diverse group of Jesus followers with a wide variety of faith journeys and, you guessed it, lived experiences. Lived experiences is a phrasing. It's not just a word they're happening, uh, that, that they just happen to be using here. It describes authority. Okay, with your lived experience, with the standpoint of epistemology, comes authority. And that authority cannot be uh, disagreed with. That that authority cannot be overridden because you can't understand it. And so that's the whole point here. And that's why you're seeing um, that's why you're seeing some of the stuff that doesn't seem to add up to you. You say, okay, it seems like there's something wrong, but but I want to love my neighbor, so I don't really understand what it is. Remember, two things can be true at the same time. It can be true that even if you disagree with somebody, even if you despise their ideology, you still want to see that person repent and come to Christ and go to heaven. Okay, you want to see them live a life with Christ. That's true. And it's also true at the same time that you hate this ideology, that you despise this ideology that's corrupting our nation, that's corrupting the world, and especially that's corrupting our children. And this is strategic. We have to understand that it's strategic. None of this stuff is a coincidence. And it's happening everywhere. This is not just a he gets us thing. This is everywhere you look, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, now let's go to the the section that they have here um, that says he gets us has an agenda. So they say 
Uh, we've been accused, uh, accused of having an agenda. We certainly do. Here it is. It's kind of like a little pun kind of thing, you know. Um, but let's look at this article. So here's one of the highlighted parts. The more ideologically defensive we become, the more we are willing to sacrifice things like kindness, patience, and the respect and dignity of others for the sake of victory. Okay, so notice that. The more ideologically defensive we become. So you shouldn't be defensive toward their ideologies. Remember, the whole, the whole overarching thing here is that they want to reintroduce everybody to Jesus at these judgmental sort of people, and that's a word you're going to see here all the time, that the judgmental Christians, well, they've kind of just pushed everybody away. Um, they're overly judgmental, but we are going to show you the real Jesus, unlike them. Well, what's the underlying accusation here? They have it right, and we're the ones who you shouldn't listen to. We're the ones uh, who, who need to be corrected and who need to, to repent of, well, not repent of our pride, we'll get to that, but that need to admit our pride uh, and that need to just get on board with these people who have it all figured out. Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion is what we all need to do. Um, so let's continue. Uh, we've done a lot of homework on our culture. We research how people feel about each other and what they think about Jesus and Christianity. We've connected with thousands of people of various faith traditions and those who claim no religion. We spoke to all kinds of people, different backgrounds, beliefs, and yes, political affiliations. And this is what we've learned. Uh, from politics to sexuality and religion, so many of us feel like our values, beliefs, and our identities, identities are under attack by the ideological others around us. Many perceive those who differ with them on issues of justice, dignity, and humanity is not just wrong or misguided, but also as evil, as enemies. We often see these others as closed-minded, selfish, hypocritical, and if we're honest, many of us respond in kind. So again, you might be reading this and it just seems kind of confusing because it's like, well, I don't want to be prideful. I don't want to see people as enemies. I don't want to be hypocritical. And that's true. Okay, we should recognize that. That is true. But Again, the the implication here is that people's ideologies cannot be wrong and dangerous. That if if you disagree with somebody indoctrinating your children uh, to to think that they're not actually little girls or little boys, well, you shouldn't do anything about it. You you can kind of think it's wrong, sort of secretly, but don't act on it because you shouldn't be attacking other people's ideologies. All ideologies are not equal. Some of them are true and some of them are wrong. And in order to figure out what's right and what's wrong, we have to risk sometimes offending people. We have to have discussions about these things. We have to research these things and talk about these things. And if we don't, well, then we risk believing and basing our life off of something that's only going to draw us further away from God. Ideas have consequences. Ideologies have consequences. And some of them are dangerous. For example... Uh, this is, again, before we get to the LGBTQ thing that I've been promising here, um, it says about us, this is the about us section, and when we go down, we see, we hope to remind everyone, including ourselves, that Jesus' teachings are a warm embrace, not a cold shoulder, that he didn't let, listen to this, that he didn't let pro this or anti that opinions prohibit him from seeing the value in all people. Well, that's interesting. I, last I checked, I think pro-life people do see the value in all people. And I think the people who aren't pro-life are killing people who they're now claiming have value. So which one is it? Ideas have consequences. And in this case, the consequence are millions of babies' lives. So all ideologies are not equal. All of them are not on level footing. All of them are not true. And it's stupid to think that, especially when it's costing people's lives especially when it's literally costing people's lives. It's causing people to be murdered before they even have a chance at seeing the outside world. 
but just make sure you're nice about it. You know, that's why in the commercial in the Super Bowl, you, you see that that picture where the woman is washing the feet of another woman uh, who's at an, out in front of a, uh, an abortion clinic um, that they ironically call a family planning clinic. Of course, they've planned to kill their family. Uh, but on the side of it, you see these protesters holding signs um, about supporting life and not getting an abortion and so on. So those are the mean guys off to the side, the guys who are trying to save lives. The nice one is the one congr- congratulating the woman on what she just did. Now, of course, uh, keep in mind that if anyone's listening to this and they or someone they know has had an abortion, there's forgiveness in Christ for that. Um, he, he forgives everybody. But the whole point, the point is that we need to repent and trust in him. And he is good. He is gracious. He'll save anybody uh, who is willing to trust in him, who is willing to receive the sacrifice that he made. Okay, so now we're finally here. I've been scrolling down. We've, we've finally arrived at the, the, the uh, frequently asked questions where it says, what is your stance on the LGBTQ plus community? And here's their answer. These are probably the most common questions we receive, and we understand why. So pause. I'm assuming this means they're just going to have a great answer. They get this all the time. They must have something formulated here, something great. Many of those who represent Jesus have made people in the LGBTQ plus community feel judged and excluded. And others in the Jesus community have simply ignored their stories and... You guessed it, ding, 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 lived experiences. (laughs) So again, their lived experience as somebody who's part of the LGBTQ plus community, you can't understand them. And how dare you try to, uh, how how dare you try to judge those actions? How how dare you try to disagree? You must be bigoted and sexist and homophobic. Oh, how dare you? So uh, Christians have made the LGBT community feel judged and excluded. uh, And others have simply ignored their stories and lived experiences. So let us be clear in our opinion. Do you think they're going to be clear? Nope. Jesus loves gay people and Jesus loves trans people. The LGBTQ plus community, like all people, is invited to explore the story of Jesus and consider his example of unconditional love, grace, and forgiveness of others. No matter who you are, you are invited to explore the story of Jesus and consider what it means for your life. Okay, so that last sentence, of course, that's true. Uh, I think anybody, the gospel's for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what kind of sin you're involved in. It doesn't matter what you've done. Again, nobody is too far for Christ to save. The gospel is for everybody. But clearly we see that they're not willing to say that this is sinful. They're not willing to say that this is dangerous. They're not willing to say that this is something that's drawing you further away from God. They're, they're not willing to make that claim here. What they do is, again, while claiming to be the loving people, uh, unlike those judgmental Christians, what they do is they throw the ball back to the, um, I guess you could say conservative Christians. They throw the, ba- the ball back over there and they say, they're the people who are judgmental. They're the people who think that stuff. You come on over here to the nice Jesus. Um, and, and this is a common complaint that I've seen in all the comment sections uh, and all that kind of thing, is that people keep saying they... Well, they haven't said anything about repentance. And so I thought, well, okay, that's, it's not like every time you talk about Jesus, you start with repent for the kingdom of God is near. Um, and, and so like if I'm doing a teaching on the divine council, right, I, I'm not just out of the blue going to say repent the kingdom of God is near. So I understand that you're not going to hear the word repentance in every single commercial or every single anything. Um, but once I thought that, I said, okay, well, let me look into it. And so I went to their search bar. 
up on their website and I typed in repent and what do you think came up? Nothing. Uh, I type in repentance. What do you think comes up? Nothing. Once again, okay, uh, it's, it's not going to come up because it isn't something that's part of their gospel. It's not something that's part of their Christian view, their lived experience, their perspective, which again is the right one. Um, of course, I mean that sarcastically, but from their standpoint is the right one. And so these are things that we should be concerned about. So when I first saw the commercial, I think my suspicions were correct. Um, and I think upon further research and doing some more digging, it's even worse than I thought. Uh, it's an organization that I want nothing to do with. Um, it's an organization that I don't think Christians should support. And it's an organization that is woke through and through. Every buzzword in the dictionary is on their website. Um, this this is a different gospel. And certainly, God can use anything. I mean, I think we should. I've heard some other YouTubers and stuff say that we should use this as an opportunity um, to talk to people. And while I think they were kind of side-skirting the issue when they said that, I agree that we should use it as an opportunity to talk to people. But if given the choice, I would have rather have had an accurate gospel-centered commercial, uh, and I would have rather have used that to talk to people. And remember, we're not to have a spirit of criticism. We're not to ignore our own pride or be hypocritical but we are called in God's word to judge righteously. Well, thank you for listening to The Universe Next Door. The most helpful thing you could do is share this episode with a friend or a family member, especially someone you want to start a conversation with. And otherwise, we'll see you back here Friday for our Q&A. Don't forget to send your questions to information at apologetics.org. And otherwise, we'll see you back here Friday night, and we hope you have a blessed week.